Hello, friends. Welcome to the Bees Knees Podcast. This is your host, PJ Ewing. Welcome to the Bees Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. So, Shanette, it's me, PJ, it's you. We're, it's a Sunday, middle of the beginning of the coronavirus craziness. I'm in New York. You are in Missouri. And I didn't uh, know you were in New York. I am in lower Manhattan, downtown, and I'm doing everything from the fire escape because I've got two kids and a wife who are all cooped up in a, you know, New York size apartment. So I've got you know, you ever hear of the fireside chats at Roosevelt way back when, during the depression? Yes, yes. Well, I'm going to call mine the fire escape side chats. Because <laughs> 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 I've got this fire escape that is not supposed to be anything but a fire escape right outside of the window. And I've got all these plans. I've got a place to put a desk and a chair and I, I mean, in and out, you know, take them away at, at night. But, but literally use that space because we are so cooped up down here in New York right now. And you're in this it's the same boat you're you're in a bit of a lockdown in Missouri, is that right? Yes, they've given our city a thirty day lockdown and um we're we're abiding by it. We're um just home work and um grocery store and um we're looking into buying a, a lot to build our business so that we don't have to continue to rent anymore so we go over there twice a day because <laughs> it's just a big lot so gives us something to do gives us something to dream about when all this is over so yeah two questions what is the limit of the lockdown because we're not really we can in a pinch jump on a subway or a train or a bus or something but but we're really kind of in our homes right now but what's the measurement of your lockdown? It sounds like you. Well, everything here is closed down. Restaurants are closed down. Casinos, shopping stores, all that stuff is closed. You can get your takeout, but anything fun, movies, main event, Chuck E. Cheese, all that stuff. Sephora beauty supplies, salons, barber shops, all that stuff is shut down. And you're a really big Chuck E. Cheese fan, I believe. Is that what I understand? No, but we were we were driving past it, and I thought, oh, my God, yeah. what are the kids going to do? Chuck E. Cheese is closed. I was listening to a uh, uh, the Daily podcast from the New York Times the other day, and they were talking about Chuck E. Cheese and the kids missing it. And, you know, it, they really don't have anything to do right now. They're just stuck. I'm, I'm, we had a dance party last night, I'll have you know. Kids' music, my music—it's just kind of a blend, and that was fun to bounce around a little bit. And I, I'm, you know, you got to get inventive. We're watching. We watched a horrible movie. My husband made us watch it. I was flipping through the channels, and this movie came on called Joe, with Nick Cage in it, and um, we started watching it as a family. And I thought, oh, okay, I, I can't, I can't watch this. So I went to the bedroom and found something else. And he came in there to, well, I want to finish watching this movie in here. I said, it's a horrible movie. He said, well, then I'm going to, I said, oh, never mind. I'll just sit on my phone and put in my earbuds and let you finish watching it. And when he was done, I found some stuff that I liked on TV. So, yeah, we were forced to watch a very terrible movie called Joe yesterday. So for everyone listening, 
don't watch the movie Joe with Nick Cage. Don't watch the movie Joe with Nick Cage. It's pit bulls killing other dogs and crazy stuff. You watch Black Monday? I have not seen that, no. It is a great little, it was on Netflix, it's on Showtime now. It is really interesting. It's got a whole collage of um, people on there. It's it's about the stock market crash uh, years ago and what happened. And uh, it's really a great little deal, Black Monday. Well, all right, let's go to you. You did not ask for, I mean, so many people that I speak with um, have asked for a surgery. It's an elective event. They say, I need to have the knee replaced. Let me do a partial, uh, that kind of thing. In your case, it really wasn't like that at all. You had an ACL, MCL, bone bruise, a bunch of problems on your right knee, but you didn't ask for any of it. So, you know, maybe let's just talk about first how it happened. How did you end up needing to have knee surgery? Well, my routine is roll out of bed, roll into some sweats, and walk my two little dogs. That's a Yorkie and a Trekkie. So that is my 7, 30, 8 o'clock routine. I literally wake up, throw on sweats, throw on the baseball cap, put them on a couple of leashes, and go. And uh, we have been out of the country for a while. We had just come back. So I was super excited to see them. So the 13th of August, we got up, we did our routine, we walked, we had a, a great day, a great early morning walk. I could tell something was going wrong, crazy, strange, because that day I had a doctor's appointment and I locked them in the car by mistake. And it was hot. And they had been locked in the car the whole time I was in my doctor's appointment. Because somebody told me that my car would stay running if I left it running and went in, and it could lock. Somebody told me that, and I believed it. But I didn't know that after 20 minutes it would cut off. So they had been sitting in the car. So when I came out to get them out of the car and I couldn't get them out, I fainted. <laughs> I fainted and busted my knee. So I said, okay, this is that was weird. So the next morning we got up. Same old thing. We're walking. We're going up the hill like we always do. We're coming back down the hill, and I hear these dogs barking. And it was a new bark for that particular area that I walk every single morning. And I looked around, and I saw these two um, golden retrievers. Uh, They were at the top of the hill. And in this neighborhood, everyone has electric fences, so I wasn't worried. So they kind of started coming down the hill barking, but I just thought electric fence was going to kick in any minute. So I just kept at my normal pace walking my two little dogs. And one of them kept coming, so I said, well, electric fence is going to kick in. So I just kept walking. And he was about 15 feet away from me. And I just thought, oh, my God, what happened? And so across the street, they're they're building a house that I just spotted no front door on this house. I thought, I could run across there, hop in the house, I'd be good. So I started trying to run across the street to get over to this house. And when I got to the top of it, to to the top of the yard, there was a drop-off that you couldn't see unless you were there. And so, boom, we all three just fell off the hill and started rolling. And as I was rolling, I just noticed my knee my my right leg literally ringing like you would ring a towel. 
And I said, ooh, that's nasty. And I hopped up thinking, okay, the dog is coming. I better keep going. And I just started running, tried to, and I hopped up to start to try to keep running and I fell back down. I just collapsed. And I said, oh, my God, I guess my leg is broke. So I started yelling for help. And the workers were in the back of the house, and they came out, and they said, what's going on here? I said, please, someone call 911. I'm pretty sure my leg is broke. I called my husband, and he came, and the ambulance came, and they got me in. They cut my pants leg open, and they said, well, it looks fine, so we're not going to give you any pain medication. I said, well, I don't care. Just get me to the hospital because I am in excruciating pain. So they were trying to talk to me and talk, you know, try to keep my mind occupied while I was riding, but. Oh, my God, it was throbbing and throbbing. I said, Jesus, this is terrible. I had never had a broken leg, so I had no idea how it felt. So we got to the hospital, and the ER guy, the ER doctor says, well, I did an x-ray. You look fine. You can go. Just take some motion and try to stop a couple of days. And I thought, okay, I was just in excruciating pain, but you said, I'm okay. Maybe I am. Attempt to stand up and get off of the table, and when I put that little bit of weight on my right leg, my knee literally jumped out of the socket and twisted like something off of a cartoon movie. It was so dramatic and it hurt so bad, I just fell back on the table and just screamed. I said, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. He said, well, I'm going to give you a brace and some crutches and maybe you should go across the street and get an MRI to orthopedic health of Kansas City. So I did a walking appointment. I got an MRI. Two days later, they called me and said that I had a um, a bone bruise and that my ACL and my MCL were both tore from the bone. Well, I didn't even know what all that meant because I never had any of these problems before. So I just went home with my little brace and uh, thought, well, what happens next? So I saw a doctor a few days later and he said, you're going to need a new ACL. The MCL should heal but you have a horrible bone bruise. So I had to wait eight weeks for the bone bruise to heal before I could even think about getting an ACL. So I had a wonderful range of motion at that time, but it was so excruciating to bend it back because of the bone bruise. I had to wait until that healed to even think about getting a surgery, but I was in physical therapy, which I guess he didn't fully understand how painful the bone bruise was because every time he tried to move it, it was just excruciating. So I basically had to just wait about eight weeks for the bone bruise to heal before we could even do anything to the inside of the knee. Let me pause you right there for a second. First of all, what are the names of your dogs? Bella and Bentley. Bella and Bentley. You guys go down. The dogs are fine. You never got caught by the golden retrievers. What happened there? Well, I guess they come down to the bottom of that hill every day. But I didn't I had never seen them. We had never crossed paths. I've been here two years. I walked the street every day. We had never crossed paths. My neighbor Chris, who was going through ACL just like me, said they come down to the bottom of that hill every day. She said it's not right, but they do. And they're big dogs. And so I didn't know. I didn't know what they were coming for. I just seen them barking and running, and they were big. And like I said, when they got out of their yard, through the common space, all the way to the other yard, I just thought, okay, they're here. They're coming to get me. I better go. 
I was just trying to get away. So it would be the fight or flight. Okay. And I'm 139 pounds, so I wasn't going to fight a golden retriever. Right. <laughs> Exactly. I wasn't going to fight them. I didn't have any sticks. Sure. I didn't have any canes. I didn't have any maids. All I had was two little dogs and me. And I just didn't know what else to do but to try to go get away from him. Did you ever talk to the owners? So after that whole night and that whole big disaster, my husband said, okay, i got to know where these dogs were because we were literally fooling with the hospital. So almost 8 o'clock that night trying to get the MRI, getting this, getting this. It just took all day. So that evening we drove around, we drove up the street. I said, well, I showed my husband the back of the house where they were. So he walked up into the cul-de-sac and went to the front door, and they were there at the front door. He said, oh, but there's some big dogs. I said, well, that's them. So he knocked on their door, and they came out. I said, oh, we're so sorry. No, the husband came to the door and kept saying, well, my dogs are always on a chain. He called his wife down. She came down. He said, were they on a chain this morning? She said, well, she was, but he wasn't. He said, well, why? And she said, well, I always keep him on a chain, but I just didn't have her on one this morning. He said, well, it caused someone's wife a bad accident, so they need our insurance information, homeowner's insurance information. So they gave it to us right away, and we immediately um, filed a claim with the insurance company. But my brother-in-law is an attorney, so he just said he was going to take care of it. And so we just gave all the information to him, and he said he was going to take care of it. So we just... Haven't seen or talked to them since that day. And this was like a bolt of lightning out of the blue. I mean, yeah, you had that incident the day before, but I guess I'm just trying to appreciate, I don't know, Jeanette, the the fragility of life or how a normal day can go wrong. I mean, this is, you do what you do every morning with your cool little dogs. You're taking a walk. Something different happens, and then... It's kind of scary how quickly things can turn, you know. What's so, I mean, because if he was a killer and what, and decided to keep coming after me, there was nothing I could have done because I was just on the ground. That's why I jumped up thinking, well, if he comes down this hill, he's going to bite my face. That's all I kept thinking. So I just jumped up, and that's when I collapsed, and there was nothing I could have done to get away from him, nothing. Well, okay, so I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to hear the... No, you're fine. You know, it's like shocker. There's this incident, and you are then eight weeks later, the bone bruise heals, PT super painful, and then you have uh, a reattach and a, and a fix. To, to, what was the actual surgery that you had done? It was ACL replacement. Complete replacement. Where did they get the ACL? Oh, I guess from someone who's passed away. It was right. a graft. Yeah, I mean, not a graft, but... Uh, I forgot what they call it, but um, cadaver, cadaver, yeah, yeah cadaver, yeah. yeah. So they gave me a new one of those, and that was that was that was painful. It was it was, it was outpatient surgery, but it was just the worst because you just couldn't move because they put a they use a drill like a metal drill to drill holes in your knee, so when you move it every ounce of energy in your leg goes straight to where they drilled. And you just don't even want to move it. So I sat in the bed for a week before I went to physical therapy, and it just hurt so bad I just couldn't move it to get the range of motion. You were in a straight brace, I'm guessing? Yes. But within yeah. a week, they're saying you can start to try to bend the knee. Is that what oh, they wanted me to go the same day, which oh. was definitely not going to happen. 
There's just no way. It was just too much pain for me to be going. I just wanted to get home and lay down and just let that knee just sit in one spot and do nothing. <laughs> Is it October or so when you had the surgery? Yes. Yes, it was October when I had the surgery. I'm looking at my note, 1021 is what I've got written down. Mm-hmm. Right. That's when I had it. And it's Dr. Is it Witt? Is that how it's pronounced? Dr. Witty. Witty. Dr. Witty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Orthopedics. Dr. Witty does the work. They want you to get to PT immediately. It takes about a week to get there. The bone bruise is healed, reattached uh, or fixed MCL and a brand new ACL and lots of pain. And you're taking heavy stuff for the pain, I'm guessing? Yeah, they had me on, um, they gave me some oxycodone, they gave me tramadol, and they gave me hydrocodone. So, yeah, I'm on all these different pain meds. I'm just just really living a totally different life right now. And um, I'm miserable. I'm in pain. I'm on crutches. I'm in a wheelchair. I can't fix my own coffee. I can barely get um, to get back and forth to the bathroom is a big deal. Um, Unbelievable. You can't really just sit anywhere comfortably. You can't sleep at all. You're not sleeping because you just can't get comfortable with this knee pain, discomfort all night long. And it just seems like every morning I wake up, I'm like, oh, gosh, I am still like this. <laughs> it's just like every morning I'm like, oh. I can't just hop up and go. I gotta get my crutches. I gotta call my dad to bring me some coffee. Help me to the bathroom. Do this. Help me get in the shower. Help me get out of the shower. You know, blah blah blah. It was just you were totally incapacitated when you have one leg to go in. It's your left leg at that. It's not your right leg. It's your left leg. So my right leg was just really shut down. We take it for granted. We walk around. It's just a, just part of living. You go do your stuff. One wing goes mm-hmm. down, one leg goes down, and, and it's it's a completely different world. I'm talking to people with knee problems, you know, for my life, it seems, all the time. And, you know, the impact of just, just one knee is, is devastating, and getting it fixed is liberating and, and incredibly important, obviously. Now, the really, the beginning of November, you're getting the physical therapy. How does that go? What happens then? Well, it's just painful, and then now now my um, scar tissue has built up, and so I'm just not, I'm just barely getting like sixty, sixty two, and you're like, no, no, we got to get up to a hundred and something. I'm like, a hundred and something seems like an impossible goal to me if I'm can't even get sixty, and I'm in that much pain trying to get that. It just seemed like a hundred was just like. I don't think anybody ever gets there. I mean, that's just how I felt about it. Even though I saw people who were walking around and looking normal after ACL, I'm just like, I don't know how you did it, but there's just no way. So I am constantly up at night just searching, 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 reading, searching, reading, searching for something that's going to help me. Any little trick, somebody knows something I don't know do this, do that, I'm just constantly looking because I am just like, I don't know how I'm ever going to be normal again. I really didn't think I was ever going to be normal. I really just did not believe that I was. It's a bad feeling. Yeah, it was a very bad feeling because I'm a busybody. I go, and my husband even said yesterday, I don't know how you're going to do all these things. You 
load up your life with all these things. How are you going to sell your product, teach French, work for me, help with the But that's me. I'll do 10 different tasks and just be going because I just like to be going. I got to gamble. I got to take care of my dogs. So I just got to, you know, I keep a busy life of stuff to do. And now I'm just, my dad's driving me from point A to point B, taking me to the casino on occasions. And the rest of the time, I'm just trying to find somewhere to sit to sit to prop my knee to be comfortable. And how long did it take you to find the X10? Well, it took me a few weeks because every night I'm on there just searching and searching and searching. And so I don't know what I put in or how I got to um, the X10, but I was YouTubing something and it popped up. And I said, the X-10, and I saw people using it, and I saw their knee moving back and forth. I thought, oh, that looks so lovely, <laughs> that knee moving back and forth. And then what really got me is when it said, and if it senses pain, it stops. I said, yeah, that's what I need, because this PT guy, he just pushes, and I'm screaming. And he saying, stop screaming. I'm saying, well, I'm in pain, so. We're just having a powwow every other day. And I said, if I can get on something that's going to stop when it senses me resisting, that's going to be great. So I woke up my husband, John, look, look what I found. It's something called the X10. And uh, he says, okay, okay, we can look into it tomorrow. So I scheduled an online, uh, a telephone appointment with you through online through the X10. Yeah. Through the website, and but that morning I showed it to my dad, and two hours later he has you on the phone. I'm like, yeah, you got him, you I got him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it, I was, our schedule, our call was still scheduled, and, he, and boom. Yeah, because <laughs> I was in the bank, and he said, "Here's the phone." I said, "Who is he?" He says, "PJ." I said, "PJ, really? Give me the phone. Give me the phone." <laughs> so I leave the bank when I said, "Hold on, I got to go take care of this because I don't want him to hang up or get busy. I don't know. I got to get. I got to talk to this guy." And I told you that I needed a machine, and you said you had one in Florida. I said, but I have got to have this machine. This is, this is, this is hope for me because so that PT and him moving my knee like that was just not going to work. I was not going to get there. And that scar tissue was building, and I was getting it was getting stiffer, and I was getting more worried about my future. And it was just it was just like a it just wasn't working. It wasn't working. We all got really yeah. creative, and especially you, to get trained properly, to, you know, have the in-person part. We got a machine to you through your own ingenuity and everybody working together. I was awesome. And then how was it different when you got on the machine? Do you remember even what the range of motion? Was it still in the 60s? It was in the 60s, yeah. When I first got there, Trish and her husband, Dave, trained me at my dad's house, and uh I was still at six. I was very scared, and I was like, hold it, don't push nothing, just wait. <laughs> they were like, it's going to be okay. I said, no, 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 go slow, go slow. And they went really slow, and I felt comfortable. I said, oh, okay, yeah, this isn't this isn't bad. I'll, it really took away all my fears because I had fears up to the sky, and I just wasn't going to let you touch this knee. I, I wasn't going to let you touch it. And uh, it took away all my fears. I could sit on there comfortably and not be afraid. The fear that you have in PT, right? 
and the fear of just not ever being able to move it, it just it just relaxed me. It made me made me have hope. It relaxed me. It made me feel like, okay, this is this is gonna work. It's gonna be okay because at first I just I just couldn't move it. It just hurt too it was excruciating pain when he would try to bend it and I would scream to the top of my lungs and he would say, You can't scream like that. And I said, Well what do you want me to do? You're killing me. What what am I supposed to do? And Today, the next day or the day after, because I went Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Jimmy backed up and he started bending. I said, Steve, Steve, Steve. That was his name, and he would keep pushing. I said, I can't. He said, well, how are we going to get there? I said, I don't know, but this is painful. I can't do this. This just hurts too bad. And everybody's like, well, you got to do it. you got to do it. I'm like, well, <laughs> it's easy for you guys to say, but you're not sitting there in excruciating pain when this man is bending your knee and just that one little millimeter of movement takes you into this pain level that you've never even imagined. So, and I don't know where that is. I don't know if it's a 61, 62. I don't know. All I know is it's moving and now I'm screaming. So the X pain really calmed my nerves. It just relaxed me. Where I could sit on there and dial in the range of motion I want to try to get to, and it would just slowly take my knee back. And if I even hesitated, like it was painful, it would just stop. And it would just go back forward and start it again. I really appreciated that because it just gave me, it just calmed my fears. And then on top of that, I was able to do it outside of just my three times a week. Like I said, my scar tissue was building rapidly. So for me to be able to continue to have PT at home whenever I wanted it, twice a day, three times a day, morning, noon, night, whenever, it was great because I didn't have to just wait to go back to so well, I know more scar, more scar tissue is built, and I'm going to be a little bit more pain. I didn't have to wait on that. I could say, okay, we can move it a little bit more because I got to 75 on the X10, so you can move it a little bit more. And it just, and even if PT wasn't successful that day, he did move it very much. I could go home and go on the X10 and still try to reach those degrees and feel like I'm making progress. So it was really a lifesaver for me because without that, I just don't know if I would be where I'm at today because the PT part, not the PT does work, but with that much pain and that much scar tissue with me, I just don't know if I, how I was going to ever get there because I didn't have the trust because it was just so painful. Every time he tried to move it back, I was just so guarded. It gave me peace to be able to work with this knee without the fear of the excruciating pain trying to get my range of motion. Uh, it's called protective muscle guarding. It's, you know, fighting your physical therapist, fighting back, protecting yourself. It's, uh, you know, infamous. It's a real problem for the other 30,000 Chinettes out there that are going through this, you know, they're facing, you know, the same kind of challenge at PT. And it, it, sometimes it just is counterproductive when you're trying to protect yourself and the PT is trying to bend you and, you're kind of in opposite ends of the. You're both trying to. Yeah, and, and it was a lot of frustration because I know that he was just doing his job, but it was just so much pain. It just we were getting frustrated with each other, like we were just coming to a an impasse because I wasn't going to keep sitting there letting you put me in this pain, which I know is like a no fault of his, and he was just trying to get me 
my range of motion so I could have a norm, have a normal life again. So I understood it, but it was the frustration was building because when I'm go I'm there, I don't want you pushing my knee. Well, I gotta push your knee. Well, I don't want you to. Well, let me push it. You know, a little bit. You know, it was just it was just like oh, like you said, counterproductive. It was just frustration was building. But when I woke up in the morning, had the X10, I could just grab my coffee and turn on my CBS News, pop on the X10, put my knee in there, and just um, let it just start moving my knee. And I felt a sense of relief of, okay, it can move. It will move. So the more that I got range of motion with the X10, I was okay with letting my physical therapist move it when he was moving. I'm like, you can, you can, you can do that now because I know I can get there without, it being, without me being in a lot of pain, so go ahead. And so it really helped both of us be able to get there without the frustration and me us just falling out and me just saying, well, F it, I'm just going to be crippled. Hell, I just can't do this and what the hell, you know. So that's kind of, I'm glad we didn't get there, but without the X10, I could see me just wanting to just quit mm-hmm. and him just saying, well, you know, I can't make you and I can't do anything you don't want me to do. So what do we do? So the that X10, was in December, right? It was that was in that was in December because I got the X10 home a couple of days after Thanksgiving. Right. And and it wasn't a straight shot. All good, smile rainbows. I mean, you had a lot of work. Tell us sort of the rest of the story because well, it end with you know, you know, oh, X10, great, all done. No, it wasn't that. No, <laughs> no, because I had my surgery, like you said, October 21st. And my scar tissue was building fast. So I got the X10 like a, a, a month and a week. So let's just say about five weeks later. So a lot of scar tissue built up in there. And so um, the X10 was um, working and it got me maybe, it it had got me about 25 degrees from when I started. But my scar tissue was so thick. It was so thick. The doctor, he said it was so thick that I still had to have the MUA to continue to to get up to 125 or 122 degrees, which is where I'm at now. So, yeah, Yeah. I was about about 92, 93, 94. I was right right in the 90s. That's where I was. And uh, we were, like, stuck there. And so my doctor said, okay, I've never heard of the X-10. It seems like it's working for you, but I'm going to give you two weeks. He said, and I don't want to have to start all over. So two more weeks with the X-10. If you're not at 120, then we're going to have to do an MUA. So I went home and I worked on my X-10. I worked on my X-10 some more, but when I went back, I was still in the 90s. He said, okay. Uh, let's go ahead and do an MUA. He said, I'm with the X10. Boom, you're going to be there in no time. And I said, okay. The beauty of it was this. If I had not had practice with the X10 and understood it and was comfortable with it before I had my MUA, I wouldn't have done it the way that I've done it. And I, what I mean when I say that is that when I have my MUA, I went to PT and X10 the same day. But if I hadn't had that prior time with the X10 to understand how gentle it was, I would not have came home from surgery and just hopped on the X10 from a, from a normal ACL surgery. But I wasn't afraid. 
So when I came home from um, my MUA, I went straight to PT like my doctor said. He moved it. I was on so much drugs, it was okay. <laughs> I was on still so much drugs from that anesthesia. But then I went right home, and that night I got on the X10. It was moving. I was feeling good. I was happy. Next morning, got back on it, started my three uh, three days a week PT regimen. And in no time, I was up to like 105, 110. And I would go to PT and say, go ahead and push it because I got you 110 on the X10, so I'm okay. And he would push it back and say, okay, you know. It was it was a little different in him pushing the X10, but I was comfortable enough to know that him pushing it back this far wasn't going to hurt me because I got that far on the X10. So I was okay letting him do what he did. I mean, I jumped from 105 to 115 in a week. Bam. And I was on X10 twice a day, twice a day. I was on there 45 minutes twice a day. Sometimes I would do 30 minutes in the morning because I knew I had PT, so I would do 30 minutes in the morning, PT, and then come back and do some more that night. But every single day I was on the X10 letting my knee just go, and I was so happy to see that 115, 120. I was so happy to see that. Then I would go to PT, and he would he would measure me, and it would be, um, maybe a few degrees difference, but I knew when I go home and I get 125 on X10, I'll be at 120 when I go to PT. So I was okay with that. So it really was a lifesaver because for someone like me, has very low pain tolerance for pain and never had anything like this happen before and was very nervous about this whole situation and didn't really understand ACLs and MCLs and all that stuff. Um, this was really, it just calmed all my fears, and it just gently helped me get to where I needed to be without me quitting PT or just trying to find someone else who might can do something different or, you know, saying myself through all of that. And I know one week, and it's so funny, when I first started getting movement, me and my husband were really excited, and we were just busy, busy, busy all weekend, going here, going to the movies, going to the casino, going, doing this, going, doing that. And I came back to uh, PT that Monday, and my degrees had fell back. And my PT guy said, I think you need to do more extending and less going. I said, you're right. <laughs> I said, you're right, because I just got so happy. I mean, hey, I'm doing great, you know. So I just kicked it all weekend. My husband was taking me everywhere. We were just going. And when I came back to PT that Monday, I lost some degrees. And he said, I think you need to do more X10 and less. But I said, you're right. And I was so, you know, like, uh-uh, I cannot afford to lose these degrees. I cannot afford to go backwards. So I said, hey, my PT guy told me more X10 and less going. So I can't go all these places with you, honey. I got to stay on my X10 because I'm doing great. And that's what I did. I stuck to I said, I'm not going to get comfortable and get happy and backslide and, you know, lose have a relapse on this, I'm going to stick to my x So when I go to PT, I'm getting the same degrees that I've been getting, and I can keep getting more and more and more. And so I took his advice, and I stuck with it, and I'm at 122 today. I don't have a cane. I don't have a crutch. Um, I don't have all my strength back yet, but um, I can go without a cane or a crutch. I just lost a cane uh, maybe two weeks ago Tuesday is when I dropped the cane. I want to thank Steve, who invented a new verb, x tenon, and I love it, and I want to use it. I'm serious. <laughs> That's great. 
He said, more X-10 and less going. I said, you right, because I went and I was like at 106. He was like, what happened? I said, well, we went to the movies and we went here and we did this and we were up late and I came home with the bed. The next morning I went to breakfast. He said, okay, okay, okay. You need to do more X-10 and less going. I said, you right. And I took yeah. that. To, I'm like, he's right, because now I see when I backed off, my degrees went, they, it went back. I said, oh, no. Still does for you right now, right? I mean, you still need to be vigilant, I would guess. Oh, yes, I do. Because so, cause when I'm home, I do my little um, exercise where I try to sit on my heels and I sit in bed and do my and pull my knee up and then I sit in my chairs and pull all the way back. But I'm at a point now to where we've kind of conquered all the scar tissue and so I'm okay and I'm not losing any degrees. I think that I would probably be at 130 if I still had the X10, but I did have to take it back. Finally, eventually. Yeah, finally. So, I know. So you were so I, patient, so sweet, so kind. Oh, so gosh. Yeah. You were so, I mean, because I, I just kept extending it, and you kept saying, okay, that's fine. You weren't harassing me. You didn't pressure me. You just kind of waited a little while and texted me and said, hey, what's up? What are you doing? What do you need? I said, well, I still needed some more. And you said, okay, just two more weeks, two more weeks. And we just would do two more weeks until we figured out a date. And I still, I talked to my doctor, and I said, can I return the X-10? He said, you can return the X-10. I said, okay, we're going to return it in two weeks. And I said, I think that'll be okay. I said, March 2020, I forgot today, but we're taking it back. He said, I think that'll be okay. And so I told my PT guy, I said, um, my doctor said I can return the X-10. So he said, I'm, I think I'm going to be all right. So. Reluctantly, but I did it, and I'm okay. But like I said, I think I would be at 130 if I still had the X10. But I'm making progress. I'm 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 at where I can have a normal life, and so I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you know what's interesting is that we have a lot of people that you know are in your same situation, and they're at that inflection point of do I have the manipulation? And we all talk about it, and people are reluctant, and I understand reluctance. I've seen people, you know, get injured in the manipulation. But it was the key. And I kind of hedge my bet. Whenever I have someone get on the X10 and they're really low in the 60s like you were, I say, all right, well, maybe we, we have a chance. This is going to be your best chance of avoiding. But if we can't avoid it, we're going to make a lot of progress. We're going to set you up for... Uh, a reasonably successful manipulation and then a good recovery afterwards. And that's exactly what happened. We couldn't get you all the way there. The scar tissue had done its job, but we got you 25 degrees. You got you, not we. You mm -hmm. got you on the X10, 25 degrees. Then you had the manipulation, and the doctor only had to go from 95 to 130, not 60 or 65 to 130. So he didn't have to well, make that much of a difference, right? Well, he said he he he, he told John that in the MUA he only got me to 120. Oh, I see. He said I got her to 120 in the MUA, so which she can live a normal life with that. But if she gets more, it'll be great. So I'm at 122. Huh? Well, we beat it. We beat his number. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's always a surprise to me because usually under anesthesia, no resistance. He doesn't have you reacting. You know, you're out. You know, he's got to feel his way all the way as far as he can go without any injury. That's the art of the MUA. And that's why they're trained and they're technicians and they're really good at this because if he just jams you to 130, he could hurt, do something, do more injury. Well, he had to go back in with the needle, on the, so it's arthroscopic, 
And that's why he told John, he said, it was thick. He said it was very thick. Scar tissue in there, very thick. It was all that. He got you to 120, and now you're at 122. That's good. That's really good. Yes, yes. It was the key for you, though. I mean, the MUA was a good thing. I, I hear a lot of, oh, the MUA, I don't really want to avoid it at all costs. Well, okay, got it. But it was really important for you to get all the way where you needed to be. Yes, it was. But like I said, you know, having the X10 gave me the confidence. I don't think that I would have believed in the MUA if I didn't have the X10 because I just didn't want it moving. In my mind, it can't move. It can't go. It can't do it. It's too much. It's too painful. But when I saw the X10 moving it back, I thought, well, okay, if he busted open, that's what I used to call it. He's going to bust it open. That's what I used to always say. Once I got the MUA and he cut out scar tissue and I got range of motion under anesthesia, I pop on X10. I can keep getting that range of motion. So it gave me the confidence to get the MUA and feel like all of this is going to work. An arthroscopy and MUA, which is what you ended up having, there's a physical nature to that. It's okay. It's a mechanical. It's a mathematic equation. It's a clearing of scar tissue. It's a bending. But there's the other side, which you you got to believe. You've got to emotionally, you got to put it in your head, internalize that you can do it. And if you don't, then you're not going to have the faith. You're not going to work that extra 10 minutes. You're going to you know, give up like you almost did. I mean, there's a whole emotional side to this that I hear about from men, from women, old, young, from everybody. you got to kind of get your head in the game. And it seems like the X10 in this case helped you do that. It did, because everybody kept saying all their stuff, and they would get mad if I wouldn't take their advice. My dad was like, well, you should use your frontal lobe. I said, frontal lobe? That's not going to help this knee. Well, she won't take my advice. She has no motivation. She's just, I'm like, well, okay, you know, I hear what you're saying. And John said, well, you're going to be a cripple. You're going to be a cripple. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Well, I got to move your knee. I'm like, oh, my God. I hear all of that, but none of that helped me. What helped me was sitting on the X10, just me and it, and it gradually moving my knee back little by little, and me saying, okay, that didn't hurt. I'm going to be okay. I can get there. It's moving. It's going to move. It can move without it being excruciating at all times. And that was the thing. Well, it's going to be some painful. Well, if you, if you, people will say stuff like, well, if you like your PT guy, he's not doing his job. And I was like, okay, I hear all of that, but. This is, you guys, unless you've had a, a knee injury, you just don't know how this feels. At the end of the day, it was me and the machine just having a morning ritual, sitting there, me watching it go back and Trish and her, Trish and her coaching. Uh, okay, let's try to get to one. I'm like, oh, okay, Trish, don't call me and tell me to get to one. Nothing. I'm doing good. But she wouldn't let up. <laughs> she wouldn't let up. I need you to get it. I'm like, oh, my God, this woman. But she just kept on another voice. But but she would push me, and I would just scooch it back a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And it's so funny, my two little dogs, I have pictures of them. They wanted to ride it. (laughs) They wanted to ride the XTN. They wanted to. Well, because on the little stool where you rest your foot that's not using the X10, they would hop on that and then put their front paws on the moving part and go back and forth with me. They wanted to ride the X10. I'm like, okay, enough. You've been to work for fun. Get off of here now. i got to get back to work. But they would just sit and stare at me every day like, oh, back to this. I said, back to this. Jeanette, i got to look at the bill a little bit. I don't remember you 
paying for your dogs to use it too. That I know. <laughs> they just took a couple of rides, oh, and man. once, but once, PJ, my one Yorkie got stuck under the X10. Oh dear God! I don't want to know this. Tell she me, just, all right? Tell me what happened. She, well, she always wanted to run up under it, and I was like, Bella, and she was like, I beat it. You know, that was her thing to run up under while I was moving. And sometimes I'd be, you know, watching TV or on my phone, and I really wouldn't see her, you know, edging over there to get up under it. And then sometimes I would say, Bella, and she'd be right there. So one time she ran up under it, and it caught her. <laughs> it oh caught her. She said, <laughs> I said, I just looked like, oh, my God, what's happening? And I just took, and it was, it stopped. It was on her. And I just had to um, I kick the um I kicked the uh, little stool off, and I just kicked her, and she just swam from under it. I said, you idiot. But the next day, she was right back trying to beat it. I said, oh, my God. But they, they were really amused by that machine. But I've got pictures of them just hopping on the stool and putting their knees, putting their paws on the x and riding it up and riding it back. Do you uh, have a different route now for walking the dogs, or are you right back? Well, that's another thing. So my dogs, I walk my dogs every single solitary day. So I have spent $20 a day, six days a week since August on a dog walker. My dogs have to walk. One of them, if he doesn't walk, my house is going to be a poop house. Right. So he has to walk. He has to walk. And he just doesn't understand. You can go in the front yard, in the backyard. He doesn't understand that. He got to go in the carpet, so we're soft and warm and cozy. But he just has to walk, and when he gets that walk, he gets it out. And so my uh, dog sitter, Ann, who takes care of them if we're out of town, she just thought, I'll walk them every day. She took care of them when we were out of the country before we came back and all this happened. So she had to just continue on. And so she's walked them every day from August up until just this past week because of the COVID-19. But my daughter is a nurse in the pick you at the children's hospital so she's on 12-hour shift now so she has four days free so she took out the slack and now she's walking them. so i really have not walked them and to be honest with you i'm a little afraid it sticks sticks in your brain right at that that moment yeah in my brain it must be in yours i mean i'm yeah <laughs> yeah i'm scared I and i know every, everybody does it i mean they've been doing it and they haven't told me any dogs are chasing but i'm just nervous to to do that. And so I think about it and I'm like, mm, you know, well, my oh, prayers gosh. are so with you and your family. And I have mm. a, I have family there. I have a sister-in-law there, yeah. a brother-in-law, three nieces and a cousin and his son there. And my cousin and son, they have the COVID-19. They both have been sick. They both are trying to recover. Uh, my, my sister-in-law and her family, they so far so good. They've been safe. But, um, yeah, so we have some family there in New York, and so it's scary. It is scary. It is scary. And we just have to remember 80% of the people are fine uh, or fine being not ICU hospitalized. It's about the 20%. We're overwhelmed right now. I know you guys are locked down. We're all doing what we can. Um, we're getting a lot of calls from people whose clinics are closed, who are facing manipulations, who want to avoid them. 
they're using the X10 instead. So we're very, very busy right now moving machines around. That is good because PT clinics are not busy right now. I mean, my PT clinic went from 100 to zero in a week. Well, people just don't want to be in that environment, and I understand it temporarily. It will all come back. You know, a lot of older people there, and so, you know, they're high risk, and it's scary. Well, we bring in a, um, a super crazy clean machine, protocols, cleaning, separating, uh, cleaning in front of the person, cleaning outside the front door, cleaning, but, you know, all these high-level high, high level protocols to make sure the machine goes in clean, and then, of course, that's it. There's no more a person uh, from our team in the house. It's all remote. So Yeah. Uh, so we're dealing with it, but we're very, very busy. I've got a wait list in New York right now. I'm bringing more machines from Michigan. Even while surgeries are canceled in our home state, Michigan, we've got all kinds of other activity. Well, uh, that's anyways, good. Anyways, a virtual high five to you. Virtual high all five right. to you. <laughs> I really appreciate you getting on the phone and doing this. So. Oh, no problem. I thank you guys for all your help and patience and understanding and just, you know, it was, it was crazy because people, when they hurt their knee, they have no idea what they're in for, and you guys know it all, and just all of your knowledge and encouragement to help us get through this and understand you're going to be okay. I appreciate that because, like I said, this is just like all new. We were like, what? You know, we didn't know. We, we just didn't know. We just did not know anything. So thank you for everything. Yeah. I am so glad you got a chance to listen to that whole conversation. Thanks for listening. The X10 therapy system is available in about 20 states across the country. We are expanding our reach right now during this coronavirus crisis, meaning we are now in Los Angeles. We've got machines in Texas. We're able to move the machines to many states from those locations, as well as a robust fleet in the state of Michigan that handles the Midwest. We have many machines in the Northeast, and we have a base down in the Villages, Florida, where we handle this business in the Southeast. So we are delivering. We are very careful. We have a great protocol to avoid any concerns about virus and contamination when we do deliver the machine. And of course, the therapy is remote therapy once you have the machine in your home. So it is a great solution during these troubled times. If you have a problem with a patella fracture, if you have a poor knee recovery that sort of won't go away or won't get better, uh, or if you have other conditions like ACL, MCL, PCL, some of those things that are just going to happen when people fall or injure themselves in sports. It covers a lot of conditions and it is available. Uh, We are finding a lot of people have found that their clinics are closed and that their procedures are canceled. So it's a very different opportunity for our group and our device during these next few months during coronavirus. Uh, The total knee replacements are much fewer and the ACLs and the patella fractures are much higher in terms of the kinds of patients that we're treating right now. But it is a, a really interesting opportunity for someone who needs help to do it in the comfort of their home, yet covered by our PT and coaching team. So if you need any more information about that, you can dial 1-855-910-5633, or you can uh, send us an email at info at x10therapy.com or visit our website, of course, x10therapy.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. The Bees Knees podcast comes to you from our studio in Lower Manhattan, New York City. We're here week in and week out shedding light on all aspects of knee surgery and recovery. To reach us, send an email to thebeesneespodcast at gmail.com.